Okay. Um, Geraldine, we did a little bit of work here a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, yep. our next guest can't be with us live today in that his grandson or one of his grandchildren is performing down in Waterford. Um, it's a man from Mount Shannon, um, or not an original, not, not a native son of Mount Shannon, but he's been living there for, I think he references in the interview, up to 18 years. That's Noel right, Murphy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Noel has been quietly doing um, a lot of interesting work in that he, with, with a local kind of historical society himself, Liam Pearl, um, around Mount Shannon. And what they do is every single month they put in a little article in the Mount Shannon newsletter which is available in the local shops or the local shop in Mount Shannon. And last month an article that he did really took my eye and it was an article about sawmilling and the timber industry in Mount Shannon which is, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's of a heritage um, nature at this yes, stage absolutely, in yeah. that we mm-hmm. don't really have it anymore but we might have a little um, reimagining of yes. that in our <laughs> interview just after that. Yeah. Um, so this, um, I think, was um, an interview we did with Noel Murphy there about this article that he wrote and I think it's um, quite fascinating myself anyway so hopefully listeners might enjoy this. Lovely. Okay, Geraldine, we're joined in studio this morning by um, Noel Murphy, um, currently living in Mount Shannon, but a native of Kilkenny. Um, Noel has been consistently and persistently producing beautiful little articles for our local newsletter that's um, presented by the um, FOSS um, scheme in Mount Shannon, the Community Council, um, always with an eye to the history and to the goings on that have happened maybe in previous generations. It's an important um, um, piece of work that he does on behalf and sometimes like that it takes an outsider perhaps to, to, to collate that and put that together. We have a lovely archive now at this stage um, through the community newsletter every month. I think Noel just said here he's been doing this since um, the end of 2020. Um, like I say, every month, which is um, a great um, canon of work now at this stage. This month's article really caught my eye and Noel um, it's an article about the history of sawmilling and timber in Mount Shannon. That's it, Paul. Yeah, I suppose before I go on to that, I, I should acknowledge uh, that, you know, in, in terms of the research for these articles, I get an awful lot of cooperation and help locally. But um, Liam Pearl, is a, a friend of mine, he, he works with me on a, the research part of it. Um, he kind of leaves the writing of it to me, but uh, he's uh, very much involved in it too. And so I'd like to acknowledge that. And uh, we've had a great relationship with the community magazine. Um, Joe Croft, there, the editor, has been doing a great job. And, you know, she's very cooperative in that. We really uh, are glad to have that that um, outlet for our material, you know, because it gives us a point and a purpose. But, yeah, uh, this, um, this month's uh, piece was about uh, sawmilling in Mount Shannon, Whitegate area. Mm. Um, so it was a piece that grew, again, as someone who came into the place, say, 18 years ago, uh, I wouldn't have known anything personally about any of this, almost nothing anyway. Uh, so it was a matter of researching it, and we got cooperation from people who talked to us about it. And uh, there was very little, actually, in terms of uh, records. A lot of the stuff we, we get some would come from you know, uh, internet research and mm-hmm. newspaper archives and the likes of that. In this case, there really wasn't, I hadn't, I haven't found anything. I gave half a day looking through yeah. Clare Champions inside in, in uh, Ennis, Ennis. <coughs> and found really nothing about that particular sawmill. So th- the main one, I suppose, was the McMahon's sawmill, which started off in the village of Mount Shannon um, in 1958, 
and it was located there just at where you turn off for the middle line road. That would be what, what we would know now as Capadov Cross. There okay. are four houses well, in a row. Just where the V is there, between yeah. the top road and the main road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And apparently the business was very successful there and it grew and it outgrew the site, basically. And uh, there was some negotiation, I think, with a neighbouring uh, landowner. Uh, but that didn't work out. And so they moved then to a, they bought a, a fresh site down um, in the townland of Boulinagoo. Am I at Boulinagook? Boulinagook. Okay, Boulinagook South. Um, so uh, that was a bigger site, obviously, and they were able to expand the business there. And they were there, they moved there in 1964. And the sawmill was in operation then until sometime in the late 70s. We didn't actually pin down the, the date when it finally closed. Mm. That would, I know, Geraldine, you have <laughs> arrived in East Clare around the same time in the late 70s. I only have a faint recollection of the outline of, as, as a young, as, as a child, um, of the outline of that site. People might know that site. It's, it's, it's um, on the main road between Mount Shannon and Whitegate on your right. It's a yeah. forestry, just yeah. before Cineco um, there. It's kind of a forestry area now. That was, there was the, the old sawmill was there at the road. That's right. It had road frontage there, mm. quite a bit of road frontage. It's now, I mean, I think when they finished with the sawmilling, they planted it, and so now there's a fairly mature-looking uh, yeah. piece of forestry there. Noel, can I stop you there? Um, there is a kind of a history now from reading all through your article. There's a history of sawmills in Mount Shannon and uh, um, several in Mount Shannon, and there is one in uh, Scar- Tomb Graney. And, like, was it because there was a lot of timber around? Why did they start a sawmill here in Mount Shannon? Do you have an idea? Well, um, I can't give you a definitive answer to it, but there is a lot of forestry here. I suppose forestry Mm -hmm. was identified by the government as one of the things that would do well in this area and in this kind of land uh, landscape. And so it was promoted very much. You know, the new state, we'll say, would have promoted it like, you know, it's a great timber growing area. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. oak, for example, oak and ash and birch would be native to the area and mm-hmm. would grow very well here mm-hmm. generally. Uh, a lot of the forestry that was planted then <coughs> in the 30s, 40s, 50s would have been that monoculture pine forest, yeah. uh, which we still see so much of around the place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it was a big timber growing area. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the McMahons weren't a million miles away either, so they McMahon, saw the opportunity. They were Limerick people, weren't they? Absolutely. These are yeah. the McMahons the same. This is the builder's provider. They've expanded yes, now. This, yes. this is the same family we're talking yeah. about, isn't mm-hmm. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. McMahons that are on the dock road in Limerick. Mm. Yeah. Um, I quote you a little piece from their website it says from its earliest days McMahon's has been a major importer of timber materials and in the early part of the 20th century the company grew to become the largest timber supplier in the country yeah. and later McMahon's widened its focus to include all building materials used by the construction industry they were founded as a company in 1830 uh, but they only came to Mount Shannon in uh, 1958 Right. They probably came, as you're outlining there, Julian, probably came because of the reason that the timber is here in this area. Yes. I think even at the moment, and we can see, I suppose, subsequently, or even at the same time, the way the likes of um, Chipboard developed here in Scarra, or the way the likes of Shannon yeah. Stakes just yes. down the road yes, from McMahon right. developed mm-hmm. in the 1980s. And I think we are, even in North East Clare, South East Galway, I think just in second place on a 
acreage or in a, in a kind of a area in forestry, forestry com- yeah. compared mm-hmm. to Wicklow. So I think yeah. we're very um, we're, we're very high up there when it comes to the amount of forestry that we have on our landscape in East Clare. So that's reflected yeah. then, I suppose, in those sawmills. Absolutely. And it's interesting you mentioned Wicklow there. <coughs> um, one of the people we spoke to was a driver, uh, a driver with the sawmill, and he spoke of for 10 years he was a driver and, uh, and he, he would be bringing huge round logs of, of timber that had been squared to make big tree trunks that had mm. been squared off and he'd be bringing lorry loads of them up to the to the um, the north wall in Dublin yeah and they were exported then from there and then on his way back he'd call to Wicklow to the Glen of Imal and pick up rounds big round trees basically yeah. bring them back to Whitegate and they'd be squared off there and he'd bring them back up then back for export there. then yeah. up to the port in Dublin and did they lo- use local timber they did that too, yes, they did. They sourced timber locally as well. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, mm. they did. Yeah, it was, it was a big enterprise, wasn't it? It was no. a huge enterprise. There were up to 40 people employed in it. That's uh, a lot for a small anyway. region, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, that's a big... Yeah. But it, it, that comes across, it comes across in your article as well, the, 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 the nature of employment and the kind of the... the I suppose this would be a real agricultural area and this supplementary type work that was available yes. for farmers mm-hmm. as well. That was there's some lovely old footage on RTE television of the chipboard factory here in, in, in the early 60s. And yeah. it was actually the late Mikey Hayes from Whitegate, not too far from McMahon's there, yeah. um, working in the factory and just talking about being able to continue as a farmer, didn't have to emigrate because of the fact that he yes. could have a part-time job in, in, in chipboard and work as a farm, raised a family then of seven or nine, I think a big yeah, family yeah. was able to stay and live um, and work within his community, both mm-hmm. as a farmer and in the timber industry. And I think that's, in, in your data, is there, Noel, as well, in relation to McMahon's? Like well, I certainly came across exactly that scenario because, in fact, uh, there, there were occasionally uh, difficult industrial relations situations arose in, in this particular uh, company. And on one occasion in, 19, in July of 1962, that very issue of farmers who were also working in a full-time job, that came up and it yeah. became a, a very contentious issue. In July 62, Jul- I can imagine it was about hay. Absolutely. I could see yeah. your mind working yeah. there. Absolutely. Yeah. It was about hay. Hay had to be saved. Hay yes. had to be saved. The workers, the men wanted to leave. They wanted a bit of time off. Uh, management had an order to be fulfilled and they didn't see it that way at all. Right. Uh, and it, the men actually ended up walking out. Now, and you also mentioned the chipboard factory. Uh, one of those people who walked out actually never went back. He went instead to the chipboard factory, yeah. which uh, was only at that stage, had only been opened for three years. It opened mm-hmm. in 1959. Yeah. But it was implying up to 350 mm-hmm. at its height, as mm-hmm. you said. Uh, a major enterprise as well, and possibly a subject for an article oh, in times to come. Oh, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But, but that conflict was there all the time. People mm. had work to do on the farm that couldn't wait mm. really for the weekend, and they, you know, they would have needed that bit of flexibility, and they weren't getting it. So mm. there was difficulty. There was also a major strike then later in the Whitegate uh, plant, where you say, or the Whitegate site, uh, where. Uh, 
everybody was out on strike for a period of time in 1965. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very divisive because some of the people, the families were families were actually divided over that according right. to what we were told. Okay. That some people agreed with the strike and some people didn't. And, you know, the, 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 the conditions and the pay were not great. Mm-hmm. They, they were, it, was, it had a bit of a bad reputation mm-hmm. and we've heard that. Um, now, having said that, on the other side of that, you know, the McMahon family were known around the area too, members of the McMahon family who owned the, owned the sawmill, and they, they would come to Mount Shannon for fishing, and mm. they were friendly with, you know, uh, people in the village and businesses in the village and so on. Yeah. So, you know, there's two sides to every story. But mm-hmm. that time in the mid-60s, um, you know, people were, people's expectations were growing yes. and their salaries and their wages weren't growing to match sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. and that was seemed to have been the case in that, mm-hmm. in that situation. And I suppose the fact that the Finza factory was there and that was a, a, a probably a, a better fixed wage, if you like. The Chipor factory would probably have been with or better not conditions. Not, fin, and not Finns mm. at the time, sorry. Yeah, Chipor, I think better yeah. pay and better conditions, conditions and facilities for the workers. And yeah, flexible things like time that. and things like it's that. It's an yeah. interesting yeah. point, actually, as you say it there now, um, this 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 transition from the old Ireland of the fifties to the Ireland of the nineteen sixty fives, as you say, yeah. Ireland was changing. It definitely mm. was changing. Maybe expectations were changing, which then creates that bit of perhaps tension that you sure, talk about I then mean, within your working environment. Yeah, yeah if you're seeing lifestyle, we'll say uh, you're you're looking at newspapers or television whenever that came, and you're seeing the lifestyle in uh, London or America or whatever, yeah. and you you think of you know the kind of facilities you're putting up with them and, and, so on. <laughs> yeah. and you're saying you know ah, this can't be right yeah. Um, okay yeah. You know. yeah yeah or johnny down the road who's bringing home a better wage and from he can be facilitated for his farming work yeah. or whatever yeah. that probably got mm. people thinking do you know absolutely yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely so that certainly was part of the story anyway as, as i listen to it here now there's, there's, there's one as i listen to it there's almost like layers on this one i don't know you you've specifically kept with 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 Mount Shannon and we talk about the McMahon sawmill there which is a relatively big with a lot of people employed but that was if we call that maybe mid division the high division then premier division top end would have been Chipboard products here in Scarif that opened in 1959 mm-hmm. but there's an interesting little dynamic in the lower division lower again kind of the local local if we call them that the local local sawmill could you maybe outline a bit yeah. on, on that Noel well absolutely I mean um, <coughs> the the McMahon uh, sawmill was was a big enterprise locally and a big employer locally, but there were small ones as well. There was one, there was um, people called Blunnies of Kilrush, and they uh, installed a, a portable sawmill in Capadoff somewhere. I'm not quite sure where it was, but uh, they employed uh, something like 20 people there, and apparently they were producing, they were using locally uh, grown, locally sourced timber. Yeah. And they were producing uh, pit props for the mining industry, the coal mining industry right. in mm-hmm. the UK. Okay. Yeah. And which was, of course, a huge thriving. industry in, in, in the UK at the time. Absolutely thriving at the time. Yeah. 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 So that was one. Um, there was a, a company or a family called Nugent's of Nina. 
they also had one somewhere. Um, These were had a mill somewhere. Mobile sawmills. Well, that one of the time. Mobile one was mobile. Yeah. Well, a mobile saw yeah. sawmill. That's fascinating. A portable, portable, portable. sawmill. So yeah. could you have a portable yeah, well, sawmill? Yeah, we had one actually working at home during about two weeks Go ago. On. A, a guy came down from Castle Ray <laughs> yeah. in 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 Roscommon to cut up some timber. Yeah. It's 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 this concept of tying it to the back of a van or, or yeah. a jeep and bringing it to a yard, bringing it as you outlined earlier on, bringing it to the timber. Yeah. So the yeah. fact that blunnies were there. A mobile would indicate that they were coming for the timber. They were and this you mean area. mobile saws and mobile. Well, the saw is up in a frame. Oh, right. Um, and Pardon it's, it's, my it's the, lack it's of knowledge. The interesting thing: the saw moves rather oh, than the timber moving. Yes. If you know what I mean. Right. That's the difference yeah. between portable yeah. and. and, and oh, right. Um, it's just a kind of an engineering concept. Yeah. Where the saw moves along the timber. And it makes well, economic sense too, because it is it, it takes a lot to transport timber. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of e- a lot yeah. of effort, a lot of fuel, a big yeah. lorry, a, a heavy duty stuff to transport it. Mm. Whereas if you come into an area uh, for a while, you know you have yeah. a limited supply yes. there in that area. You exhaust what's available there, mm. and you move, move on, on to, to another area yeah. where there's more well, available. That's again. exactly what this man was doing. Oh, was yeah. there myself and a neighbour three weeks ago. We had some timber that needed to be sawed up. And he came down from Castlereagh. He goes round. He's a German man, probably yeah. about 70. Um, lovely man to work with. Um, Willie, was, I gotta be, Willie something was his second yeah. name, or his, was his name. But um, spent two days there sawing, sawing all the timber and um, moved, away, moved away to the next job after yeah. three of those. There's yeah, a so big opening for that, I'd yeah, imagine, yeah, is there? It's tough work. Is it's it? tough work. Yeah. And you're, could be, you, know, you, you can't be sure the quality of the... You know, oh, yeah. The, you know, they would be always hitting timber maybe that might have stuff in it, <laughs> nails or things yeah, like that, I and know. blades or... But it's, 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 um, it's, it's lovely to see it. <laughs> the mobile sawmill's coming in. And the way the price of timber has gone now at the moment, yeah, um, uh, it makes yeah. it quite economical. Absolutely. You, you referred in your article, Noel, uh, to like there were tensions uh, mm. between the workers and the employers, but there was a great sense of camaraderie with within the workforce themselves wasn't there they seemed to be in a great team they seemed to have great crack and got thing you know a, a kind of a social life as well as um, working life absolutely and uh, you know that came across as a real contrast to y- y- uh, you're hearing at the same time about these stories of uh, kind of a demanding um, uncompromising employer on one hand and then the same person is telling you but you know when I worked there it was the best time of my life, really, yeah. in a workplace yeah. ever. And yeah. loads of people would talk to you about all the characters that worked there and the great crack they had during the day. It was almost like as if that social uh, bond side of it between the actual staff members was to compensate or to, to help them mm. through the, the other part of it, the tough part of it. Yeah. Tough work, heavy work, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, difficult and dangerous sometimes. Dangerous, I'd imagine. Big saws, yeah. mm-hmm. heavy uh, machinery, he- chains, logs, you know, yeah. like risky and yeah. not uh, perhaps full attention to safety either and that mm. there would be now. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so they turned to each other and they, they, they had the crack and they had a great time, <laughs> apparently, just on a social level together. Sport yeah. was sport an issue. Yeah, there was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was, was a team, was, wasn't there? Absolutely, yeah. there yeah. was. Yeah, there was the Sawmills te- hurling team, which was uh, on the go there around the mid sixties, and they entered uh, interleague. What was it? Interfirm. Interfirm. Yeah. I, oh uh, yes. There, were, there was a uh, team from the Chipboard Factory. There was a Mount Shannon team, the Sawmill team, and Kilcooney. So uh, that was one famous uh, team that was in 1964. Um, Then, you know, 
they they did quite they did quite well because they had they had some good players there. Uh, then they also went beyond the immediate area and they ended up playing teams, for example, from Ross Gray. So right. there was a team from the <laughs> Antigen factory in Ross Gray, which is kind of a biomedical kind mm, of a, yeah. uh, factory, and it's been around there for a long, long time. And they had actually some of the real top tip. Tipperary players yes. on their team at the time in the mid sixties, and you know, um, so there was one game anyway. There was one match where the end result was Antigen two twelve, Sawmill two points. <laughs> oh, we should have kept that one under cover. <laughs> to be fair, that, that was you know the Munster Interferm League, yeah, and you know Antigen Rossgrave and the Rossgrave Bacon Factory would have had you know top. Tipperary star players on board. At oh the time. right, that explains so, a bit of it then. Yeah. Maybe. Well, you see, yeah. you have to remember. Just as you're talking there, in no, 1965 in Whitegate, Mount Shannon, they would have won the county championship in 1961. In 61. So oh, usually right. they would have been at the peak of oh. their powers. The likes of uh, I can think of Tom Turner, yeah, Tom Ned Turner. Cahill, um, uh, maybe and then the older ones Michal Cleary they, they were finished they were they had won it in 51 yes, as well so yeah. they were but those younger Tommy Holland those kind of men now um, Nash yeah. Jordan would he have been around would they, that? would they all have been working in the I don't know whether they worked there or, or not but the they area. would have been in the yeah. area so Hurling would have had a, a fairly deep rooted and would have, been at the, would have been at its peak in 1965 yeah so the two, two points was yeah, an unfortunate that's, that's, day out you're absolutely <laughs> on ball there uh, Paul because um I came across a piece actually online, one of the few bits that I did come across in that kind of research. It was a little piece um, about Tom Turner, who was, you know, <laughs> a star player at the time. Yeah, in the local young, area. young man in 1961. Yeah. I'll just read what the quote says. It, it's from, it really was from the Clare Champion, actually, I think. Um, and it just says, the local sawmill, McMahon's, had entered a team in interfirm hur- hurling. Tom would have been regarded as a kind of all-star because of the 61 final, like which you mentioned they won. So he was signed up to boost the forward division of the Sawmill team. The draw, <laughs> paired, them against, <laughs> the draw paired them against one of the Ross Gray meat factories, that'd be the bacon factory, uh, Kieran Carey of the notorious Doyle Mar Carey Tipperary Ooh. fullback line. Hell's Kitchen. Was their number three. <laughs> Tom Turner was to be full forward. Uh, when asked how he would handle Carey, Tom replied, I'll take him to the 40 and dazzle him with Speed going in. <laughs> Tom Turner and Speed would never have been in the one sentence according to this. I don't know, didn't know the man, but... Uh, God be good to you. Absolutely. Great character. A hurling legend. Well, he has yeah. his county, he had his county championship. He might have had the interfirm championship, but he had his county yeah, championship. Well, that counts for something. Yeah, exactly. A lot, indeed. exactly. That's yeah. good, Paul, really. you must have known an awful lot of the people who worked there like uh, um, Noel has given us loads of names yeah. of the the, the staff well yeah. you have, must have known a lot of them you must I mean, know I a lot I, of them but you see the thing about it is Geraldine we're just thinking about when we're kind of preparing to get ready for this the, the, it's not the same now but the culture of people working in the timber industry in East Clare right up to the time when we were leaving school like Noel talked about 350 in, in the factory here in Scarab but Scarf, you were talking yeah. about people that worked as we call it in the wood you know, oh, that they were yes. out there working yeah, in, yeah. In, 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 in the wood itself, cutting the timber. Yeah. You're the lorry drivers going out to bring it in back into to Scarif here or down to Shannon Stakes. Like, you, you, you couldn't go outside the door without engaging in some way with somebody who was involved in some format with, yes. with, with, with the timber industry. Even thinking about this, one of the one of the real characters of East Clare who came into East Clare in 1980, and this just shows how the thing evolved, Norbert Risling. Um, he was a German man. He arrived a real character, a lovely man. 
Um, and the first job, he, he came to Mount Shannon Whitekit by accident. The bus brought him from Dublin, wherever he got to, he got to, and he arrived in Whitekit. But his first job, and this shows you how tough the work was, his first job was to bring out wood, bring out timber from the wood that even the horses couldn't bring out. Oh, good Lord. He brought yeah. it out by hand, you know, up on his shoulder. Up in, that was the first, you know, that's the level you were still at yes, in 1980. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was still rough, tough, hard work, like, you know. Yeah. And right up to the early 90s, a lot of lads would have left school here you know, you hadn't many options in the eighties, and you went into the wood, and you got a good training, and you know, and 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 they, you know, they all did well. Yeah. But um, there are very few working now. You know, you you yes. I, I, you pass down Craig there, Noel, if you're heading towards Portumna, look at the processors that are in there. There's two processors working in the forward. Or, um, there's nobody. If that was, thirty, if that was forty years ago, you'd have had thirty or forty men working in there. Yeah. You might have had four or five horses as well. Do you know, that's, yeah. it changed. It's, it's, it's yeah. totally different now. Like yeah. it's, so when they, sorry, Paul, yeah. carry on. Sorry. Oh, no, no. You, you look at what I find sad about it in ways. You look at McMorrow, those lorries, Leitrim registration. There isn't a stick of timber being processed in East Clare anymore. No, it's going to, you know, since since, since everything is closed, we've mm-hmm. nothing. We, we, mm-hmm. we have no sawmill. Mm-hmm. We have no steak factory. We have nothing. Every single piece of timber that's harvested that's grown here goes out the door and is yeah, gone from here yeah. which is an awful sh- I think it's an awful shame yes. I suppose maybe we peaked at a certain time and it, 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 the thing moved away from us then with Medite and with all the different companies yes, and Chipper yeah. maybe didn't evolve and develop the way it could have or should have so maybe we just kind of lost it then and it's hard to see it coming back to be it's an awful shame as I say, we're, we're probably the second most afforested area in the country yeah. but we don't do a thing with a stick of timber either, I know it's is, a shame it's but you were, you were saying Noel in your piece that there are 40 people working in the factory but like you say, Paul, there were tractors hauling it here and there. Yeah. There were timber lorries bringing it all over the country. Uh, yeah. Like in Scarif, I mean, I don't mean from that factory, but people working in the woods and with timber. That's right. There was a huge number of mm. people who made their living from yes. the timber. Yeah, and people working in the forestry, the actual planting as well, because that yeah. was planting. ongoing yeah. also. And, and loads of the names here, we decided really all we could do was list off a load of names because there were so many people, yeah. you know, in the article. But just if people were interested, there are so many names Seems. there just yeah. listed yeah. as people. But a, a lot of those people, too, would have off and on worked in the planting side of it, in the forestry yeah. as oh, well. Yeah. The late Packy Dooley now, who died he'd be in his 101st yes. year, he would often talk about his time planting. And, and again, that was hard work. tough work as well. You come sure. off, it was actually somebody, the night of his funeral, somebody up here just beyond Scarif mentioned him coming down off Capitban Mountain at some stage in the year and the water was just flowing oh off of him. He yeah. got up on a bicycle to cycle home. You know, yeah. It was really, it was tough, tough, yeah. tough work. But it was the only work. Yeah. It was yeah. the only work. There was yeah. nothing else, you know. And there were people doing work in that factory which must have been very skilled. Mm. I'm just thinking about the people who operate the saws, for example. Yeah. That must have been very skilled work, was it? That's yeah. right. I'm sure it yeah. was. Yeah. One, uh, one man now that spoke to us gave us a lot of uh, material there was uh, Paddy Bugler. And he was a oh, sawman yes. there. So, yeah. um, and, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was certainly a skilled job and mm. it was a very technical job. Yeah. And there was uh, there was another man there. Um, Paddy too, he was one of them as well, yes, wasn't correct. he? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, these would have been huge saws, belt driven. Yeah. Uh, 
like d- danger in at every mm. turn yeah. you know yeah. if you're not yeah. careful yeah mm. uh, but you know it was slightly better paid work mm. but the disadvantage was you had to work on saturday mornings as well <laughs> no hope again they say and then no we just again, we, we, maybe we, we skipped away from it and i was just fascinated as well i suppose it's quite poignant at the moment i bring it back down to to, to, to division three the local mm. local sawmill like maybe i'll be yeah. specific about benny flynn in mount shannon you you might yeah bit about absolutely what was going on yeah there. I, I mean i'm delighted to get a chance to talk about that because that that was a very significant piece of mount shannon history like there were okay so you know actually some farmers had a sawmill in, uh, on their premises the shidis there in Tubber had a sawmill of their own um, for their own purposes but there was a, the flynn family of mount shannon had become involved in in sawmilling and and timber work um since the since around 1900 robert flynn who would be benny's father mm-hmm. had set up uh, a, a mill in the village which was powered by water from the mill pool from the mill which pool. is up mill pool road obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. um and uh, so audrey, audrey flynn lives up there now at this time benny's daughter and that would be benny's daughter yeah absolutely and she was very kind and and gave me a lot of material mm-hmm. and a lot of information as well on this um that uh, robert's mill um processed mainly local oak and scots pine and it, they also had a workshop in the village they moved across the road then they were uh, over uh, near the lake shore then eventually yeah. I suppose if people might if you want to picture like we pictured Capital of Cross, as you come in the bottom turn um on the village, just before the Ashter, there are three yeah. houses there that were built in the nineteen seventies. And yeah. that was Flynn's and Flynn's, that was Flynn's oh, area. Right. I think Benny Flynn yeah. built those Benny houses. Mm-hmm. Benny three Flynn houses built there. those. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I mean that uh, he was a very interesting man. He had a very interesting story. Um <clears throat> he took over gradually from his father, Robert. Robert worked away and Himself and Benny then, um, they moved to that site you described there, Paul, and they uh, established a sawmill there with um, saws that were uh, belt-driven using a tractor. Previously, they had used the water power to do it. Mm -hmm. But they also set up a workshop and they made, um, they made, I have a billhead from it, actually, that Audrey gave me, very kindly gave me. It said, Carpentry and Joinery Works cart and van makers Flynn and uh, Son Flynn and, Flynn Son. and Ma- Son Main Street Mount Shannon County Clare and the the carts were horse carts mm-hmm. or, or donkey carts and um, one uh, man I spoke to Pat Murray there Derry Con mm-hmm. or uh, Liam spoke to him uh, he remembered his family actually purchasing the materials cut out and ready for a uh, a pony cart, I think it was, yeah, uh, from the Flins, and they bring it home. An IKEA version, an IKEA job, and they take cart. it home. And they took it home and they assembled it at home. Very good. And uh, there was, there's a lovely and um, lovely story about a, the last cart that Benny made. It um, Benny Benny's story. Uh, Benny was married to the late Teresa Dooley, mm. who passed away unfortunately only a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we extend our sympathies Absolutely. to the, the Dooleys and the Flynns on, on that sad passing. But um, uh, Benny met Teresa 
when she came she came home to look after her she mother was in America. She was in, she was in, 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 in America. Yeah, she came home nurse. on a ship to uh, look after her mother who who was ill, and then the two of them met and obviously came came to an understanding, mm-hmm. and uh, Benny moved away from his workshop then in uh, Mount Shannon, closed it up, mm-hmm. and went away over to England, got married to Teresa. They went to Jersey and the Channel Islands on their mm-hmm. honeymoon, and um, he got a job there while they were there, and he stayed there for about eight or nine years, uh, eight years, until 1969, and they came back then uh, to Ireland, and they lived in uh, Nina, but they still had the property in Mount Shannon. Mm-hmm. And one day he was in Mount Shannon, Benny, and he met uh, Billy Waterstone, who, on the street. who said to him, because uh, it's a shame you're not making those carts anymore, I'm in need of one. And he said, well, actually, there's one in the workshop. <laughs> the, the last one I made, I never sold it, is still in the workshop, 10 years ago, yeah. old. And that cart is still uh, doing service on a farm in Mount Shannon at this day. And there's a picture of it in the You have a lovely newsletter. picture of that in your newsletter. It's yeah. been modified and adapted. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the pony is long gone, or the donkey is long yeah. gone, but it's been modified and adapted and still in working use in Absolutely. Mount Shannon today. It is. Isn't that it wonderful? Is. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the vans, just to uh, final, uh, final, uh, final observation on that, the vans that they mentioned on their letterhead were a little mobile um, wagon, kind of uh, a shelter for the workers in the forestry. So they would be on wheels, they'd be a little square thing, they'd be roofed and covered in, but then they could be hauled around, pulled by a tractor or pulled by a horse or whatever, uh, up to wherever the works was going on in the forestry. And these these were the vans that they were talking about. So very specific, fulfilling a need in the location. Absolutely, and that shows you how big an industry forestry was. Mm. In the Those area add-ons too. then, the Flins yeah. can create these vans. Absolutely, to, yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's absolutely fascinating, I have to indeed. say. Can I just ask you on a personal level, how have you always been interested in history, Noel, or is this kind of a something that when you came here locally you began to be interested in? Well, that's a good question, Geraldine. I absolutely have always been interested in history, but I suppose on a on a bigger scale, maybe, before I came here. Mm-hmm. But when you move into an area, you don't really know the backstory there. You don't know the history of that ground you're walking on and the houses that you're looking at in the village. And and, and anyway, I mean, Mount Shannon is such a historic place. Mm-hmm. Mount yeah. Shannon, Whitegate, Scarif. There's such history here, such richness. So that's kind of really why I got focused on the local history interest. Mm -hmm. And I started doing a few courses. I ended up doing a master's in UL on local history. But uh, that was, you know, just it's really a continuation of a hobby. But it's also about finding out about the area that you're living in. I'm here now 18 years. Yeah. And... I feel I'm beginning to get to know the place. <laughs> well, may I say that it's great service for the local people to have mm. that they can find Absolutely. their history and look it up and for the younger generation to know all about it. I think, think, so. Paul? I think it's really important yeah. what Noel does. I think I said it at the start, but I'd reiterate it again here. Now, you know, familiarity maybe breeds a little bit of contempt in that we kind of forget our history as we, when we're so embedded and living here for so long ourselves, yeah. we tend mm-hmm. to maybe forget. And that's not, a, I don't mean that in a negative way, just that's what happens yeah. and no, I think the work that Noel does here now and 
worked w- w- with Liam and the problem <laughs> Liam getting absolutely. the thing going no, as well. Absolutely. I think it's yeah. absolutely, and it's. I think oh, yeah. it's, I do regard it as an archive what he has produced here over the last. Yeah. And I hope it long may it continue. And, and I would, continue. I would also like to acknowledge someone else too, which is uh, Jared Madden, because oh, yes. um, when I started out on this trail, he his books and mm. his material. Yeah. It was the first thing I went to mm. and I still keep going back and going back yeah. to that. And actually in this article, there's a photograph there, which is from one of Jared Madden's books. And he, I phoned him up about this and he was so helpful uh, and, of course, gave his permission to reproduce that photograph. Uh, in the article and so on, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, this, you're standing on the shoulders of giants here, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, it's just to, to acknowledge that. I think it's very, it's important yeah. as well. Well, just keep it up, Noel, and thank you very <laughs> much for coming in to Scarborough. Thanks very much. We'll have you back again, I'd say, Paul. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Noel. That's thank a great you. One. Enjoy that one. Good thank stuff. you.